This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. MPB Think Radio. This is Money Talks from Java Chapman, along with Nancy Lotridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives and writer Tav, portfolio manager and New Perspectives, also co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. Today on the program, we're going to be talking with Caitlin Carl from the ride-hailing app Lyft. We're going to ask her questions such as where in Mississippi does Lyft operate? Also, how can you get started as a driver to generate a little extra income and how safe it is to be a writer and also a uh, a driver. I know one of the first things they tell you is don't get in the car with strangers. So we're going to talk about that today, how you can tell a stranger to come to your house and take you to where you need to go. Also, we'll be taking your personal finance questions. So give us a call, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email, as always, to money at mpbonline.org. Good morning. Good morning, Java. Good morning. How are, you, how, are you, how are you guys doing today? Doing fine. Good to see you again. Yeah, I don't come in here very often. I'm usually on the phone duties during uh, Money Talks, but Kevin is away, so I uh, have the pleasure of sitting here with you guys for the Well, hour. and we're glad to see you. <laughs> glad to have you. As always, we open up the show um, with some, I guess, some financial news, and please don't say the word tariffs. I won't. I will <laughs> say that uh, consumer spending has bumped up uh, four-tenths of a percent. That's good news, because that's what really drives everything. And when we are spending money, uh, when we have money in our pockets, we feel secure about our jobs, then we're spending. And that's what makes the world go round. Uh, so related to that, on a recent uh, on earnings call, and there's some pretty exciting earnings from last week I'll get to, but uh, on a recent earnings call, Procter & Gamble, they make a lot of consumer products. They make paper towels and razor blades and everything in between. Um, they are raising prices across a lot of brands. So uh, yes, wow. Your uh, your diapers and uh, oh man, toilet paper and it's going to hit you hard, right? <laughs> they are they're going across the board about a four or five percent price hike. So inflation is 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 getting here. Inflation is here. Um, and then let's see other earnings. Last week was pretty exciting. Was it last? Was it just last week? It feels like ages ago. Uh, Facebook had, you know, they reported good earnings. But the thing is, Facebook is so huge. And but then the been, stock price dropped. This, yes, 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 dramatically. It wasn't. So it was good. It just wasn't as good as people hoped. Okay. Because they're so big and they're growing. They've still been growing so fast. They've just been so good at getting all of the ad money. Um, I guess. 
people just kind of assumed it would go on forever and they would be worth every single penny by the end of the year. Um, but they grew, you know, like a little slower than expected. Um, kind of important metrics for them is, you know, number of people spending time on their pl- one of their platforms every day. And so that went down a little bit. And a, a couple of things affected that. Obviously, there have been some um, people have been unhappy with Facebook for various Bad reasons. News, yeah. over things, But also uh, the GDPR, the General Data Protection Rules, uh, coming into place meant a lot of your social media probably noticed um, coming out with new privacy notices. And those new privacy notices were actually kind of intimidating. Um, you know, I actually looked at one and was just like, you know what? I'm just not going to go to that website today. I don't want to <laughs> read the fine print. And I love reading the fine print. So so that put a lot of people off. Um, but that was only kind of the end of that quarter. So so people were a little concerned that they're, that they're not growing as fast as they were anticipating they would. Um, uh, same issues with Twitter. Uh, they, they pulled back a lot as well. And so um, actually, fun fact about the Facebook pullback, it was the largest single day loss of an American um, American company. I think it was like $100 billion of yeah, the market it was, cap. But I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of meaningless. Because the money just fluctuates just, like that. Up yeah. and down. Well, but they we had made all that money in this year. So they're just back to like <laughs> January. Yeah, but we need to point out that the stock price that we look at today represents what investors think will happen in the future. Right. And so if you're not meeting expectations and you have to just maintain the price just to meet expectations um, and to uh, have a bump in price, you have to exceed those expectations. So when you have have news that's not as good as everyone has expected, then it's no big surprise that your stock price drops. The surprise is that it was as big of a drop as it was. No, because if you look at the little the the, the graph, mm-hmm. it's a big like a check mark because oh, it, yeah. it was yeah. there, it went down. Oh, it was, and yeah, now, now it's now it's inching back up the <laughs> next day, and and that's one of those things. You know, Facebook was so big that it um, you know had an impact on on the kind of market broadly. You know, when something that big happens, it was down like twenty percent, and if it's a large weighting in your index, the you know the whole index you know creeps down a little bit. Yeah, and for some people, the the stock market is in the weeds. And I got one last question. If if it drops like that, is it a, a buy and sell day or something like that? Or maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Okay. I mean, if you're still really excited about Facebook and you still want to buy a couple shares in your Robinhood account that I know we were talking about, <laughs> then... Um, then you jump in then, when everybody else is jumping yeah, in. Yeah, it's a little okay. discount. But if, if, if the news actually makes you stop and think, whoa, you know, that that's really a big... You know, big difference from what I would have anticipated, then maybe not. Okay, okay. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our topic of the day. We've um, uh, been advertising it. We're going to be talking about Lyft, the uh, ride hailing app. And we actually have Caitlin Carl, the, um, let's see, I lost my notes real quick. She is. The communications manager. Thank you, producer Liz. Communications manager for Lyft. And uh, Caitlin, I want to say thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. All right. And just for, I guess, for the uninformed, um, give us, what is Lyft? Just the brief, I guess, two-sentence answer, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Lyft is the fastest-growing on-demand transportation service in the U.S. And honestly, it's as easy as opening up the Lyft app, tapping a few buttons, and a driver arrives within minutes. And truly, our goal is to work toward our mission of improving people's lives with the world's best transportation. 
Okay, I like that. Improving people's lives with the world's best transportation. And the world's best transportation just could actually be my neighbor, correct? <laughs> um, it absolutely could be. Um, so for what it takes to become a driver, if someone's using a personal car, those wanting to be a driver can simply download the app on their smartphone, input their car's year, make, and model, and from there remove through a strict background and screening process, um, including criminal background and driver record checks. But once they're approved, all they need to do is turn on the app, and you can start accepting rides. And it really creates you know, a smooth process for drivers, but also for those that are requesting those rides as well. Okay, so um, I guess to um, move forward in the, in the conversation, with Lyft, this is a way to earn extra money, or do I want to be a driver full-time? Absolutely. So Lyft serves as a great, flexible earning opportunity for folks in the community. Um, if people, obviously, once they go through the driver application process, want to earn some extra cash, um, they're able to hop onto the app and be able to, um, you know, turn on the app and be able to start accepting rides that way. All right. If you just joined the conversation, we're talking with Caitlin Carl, communications manager for the ride hailing company Lyft. And uh, if you want to join the conversation, you may have a, a question about how to become a rider or um, just just comments about the, the company itself. One eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Also, we're taking your um, personal finance questions, as always, with Nancy Lottridge Anderson and Ryder Taff. So, uh, Caitlin, once you become a driver, how do you get the rides? They just they they you have to, I guess, make yourself available and then um, people can contact you through the app. Absolutely. And I think what the greatest thing about driving for Lyft is that drivers are independent contractors who can truly set their own hours and earn and drive when it works for them. So. Truly, that flexibility is what a lot of our drivers end up loving about driving with Lyft. And with that, drivers are able to choose when they want to drive, and they create that flexible earning opportunity. Now, we see a lot of these different, um, I guess, uh, companies in the same vein as Lyft, where you are kind of independent contractors. You have, uh, of course, maybe your competitor, Uber. You have ShipIt, uh, Grubhub, and Waiter, where you are like a, a, a driver, independent contractor. Can you speak to, I guess, maybe what's the, the I guess, the boom in this kind of market? Sure. So, genuinely, we believe at its core that Lyft treats people better. Um, this is both on principle as well as a competitive advantage. Um, for drivers, we're the first to offer tips on um, folks that are getting in cars with their Lyft drivers. If they have a great ride experience, they're able to provide their driver a tip at the end of the ride. Um, in addition, for passengers, it's just a truly friendlier experience every time you get in the car. So uh, do you all have any information on kind of what average tips are, who gives tips, what sort of rides earn tips, things like that? Because, that, I mean, that is a feature that sets you all apart. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so just this past year, we did hit the 500 million mark in driver tips alone. Uh, we've been offering them for years, and we've been offering the ability for passengers to provide their driver's tips in addition to um, the fare that their drivers are earning um, from making that ride and in that drivers are truly able to you know 
they've been able to use their earnings to open businesses, support their families, pay off student loans, go on vacations, and so much more. So that $500 million, how, what's the kind of uh, gross ride revenue then? So, uh, Of that, those were just solely tips that um, Lyft has collected on behalf of the driver. And with that, 100% of the tips go to the driver. Right. So, um, But that, that tip revenue is on top of ride revenue. So, you know, so is it is it for every dollar that people are spending on a ride are they spending a dollar on tip or is it for every dollar they're spending like 2 cents on tips? What's what's kind of What are people sure. doing? So driver fares, yeah, so driver fares vary from city to city and of course, you know how much um how long someone is in the car for. So, for example, perhaps an airport fare um, for a ride may be a little bit longer than if you were going to a restaurant down the street. Um, But driver revenue does vary based on ride to ride. With that, though, um, in regards to tips, folks are able to add on a custom amount anywhere um, from, you know, a dollar and beyond per ride. And drivers collect 100% of those tips. All right, Caitlin, before we take our first break, um, where in Mississippi actually can you get a Lyft ride? Um, Is it uh, available everywhere? Sure. So Lyft right now is available to more than 95% of the U.S. population, um, including cities such as Gulfport, Hattiesburg, Jackson, Oxford, um, and a few other cities across Mississippi. All right, let's go ahead and take our uh, first break. If you want to join the conversation as we're talking with Caitlin Carl, Communications Manager for the ride-hailing app Lyft, uh, give us a call right now, 1-877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. Also, listen to this question. What percentage of Lyft rides do you think happen between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m.? Do you think it's 3%, 18%? Or 24%. What percentage of lift rides happen between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m.? We'll give you the answer when we come back. Also, join the conversation, 1-877-MPB-RING. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Enjoying this podcast, you might like to listen to the broadcast Money Talks did on December 19th, 2017 with Airbnb. Airbnb is a platform for hosts and guests to get together for lodging, dining, and experiences. That episode can be streamed at mpbonline.org slash money talks or downloaded as a podcast from whatever podcast platform you use. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email money at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome. 
welcome back. If you miss part of Money Talks, you can always listen again on our website, mpbonline.org, or download the MPB Public Radio app. I'm Java Chapman, along with Nancy Lodger Anderson, president of New Perspectives and writer Taft, portfolio manager at News Perspectives, and we're talking with Caitlin Carl, communications manager for Lyft. And I uh, left you with a question. What percentage of Lyft rides do you think happen between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m.? Do you think it's 3%? 18% or 24%. What do you say, Nancy? Don't look at the paper. Uh, okay, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm going to say, I, I think I'm going to go 3%. What do you say, Ryder? 24. It's 24%. Oh, shoot. 24, 24, according to Lyft in 2017, 24% of Lyft rides happen between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. And I can see how that happens. It's to prevent drowsy driving. There you go. In those late night hours, you just you want the convenience of I need a I need a car, log in, get a car and you go to where you need to be. I can see how that happens. Well, it's all part of this huge change that's happening in that industry. And and you can see that there will be a point when we won't even own cars that we will just have the use of a car or the use of a driver. And then that means, what do our houses look like? Why do we need a garage, right? Oh, wow. And then that changes parking in urban areas. Since maybe, Fewer meters. Yeah, you, maybe you don't really need right, to so park. Are we going to place bets on what year that's going to happen? Oh, it's going to happen fast. It's yeah, happen how fast? fast right? How fast, Nancy? I mean, just think about how, how many, quickly how years, Nancy? all of these other things have... I mean, how yeah. long... Okay, here's a question. How long has Lyft been in operation? Caitlin, help us out. How long has Lyft been in operation? Sure. So Lyft has been in operation since 2012. Okay. Okay, so that's that's a very short time period. Yeah, that's still just people driving cars, Nancy. No, but it's still <laughs> a huge change in the way things are are our business is occurring. I mean, if you talk to taxi drivers, they're going to say, wait, wait a minute. Look at how quickly this has transitioned. Um, so you can see on the horizon how we're just going to function differently. Now, that's always been a question um, that I've that I've wondered as as uh, you've I, I, I have always been accustomed to seeing taxis. And those are the ways that you get from point A to point B without using your own car. Uh, Caitlin, uh, what what has been the I guess since 2012, your um, experience with, I guess, disrupting uh, the, yeah, the natural the natural flow? Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I think how we look at Lyft and ride sharing as an industry is truly a complement to what's going on now. Obviously, car ownership is so dominant in a lot of cities across America, but what we're seeing is that the majority, a really large majority of Lyft rides start or end at public transit. So a lot of folks are really turning to ride share and Lyft in particular to perhaps get themselves to the train, get themselves to the closest bus stop. Um, truly, so the company is truly acting as a complement to public transit at the end of the day, and that's kind of where we've seen that shift in you know, folks thinking across America turn. Well, it's a combination of things. Uh, first, uh, the urbanization of America and younger urban dwellers don't really want to own a car. And I think you're going Apparently to Apparently, the youth today, they don't like driving. The youth today. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of driving. Um, but the other thing that's happening is an aging population. And so that's where you see people are needing someone to be a driver. 
you know, they, they're not as comfortable, especially driving at night or getting longer distances. Um, and so to have somebody to be able to step into that space so is great. That, that brings up something, Caitlin. Uh, a, a kind of big thing is uh, non-emergency medical transport. Um, do y'all, I mean, obviously y'all don't just kind of contract in that area, but do you see people uh, using using Lyft as, you know, a, a way to get to their regular doctor's appointments or, you know, maybe they're not super, you know, super mobile themselves and, you know, using that to get to therapy or, or, or whatnot. Is that is that a big area or, or not so much? Yeah, one of our, I would say, large focuses is making sure that we're providing accessible, um, reliable transit to folks, really trying to get anywhere, but especially doctor's appointments. Um, we have partnered with a variety of medical providers and services across the U.S. to make getting to doctor's appointments easier. Um, and we just want to make sure that folks have, at the end of the day, a reliable ride to get to their appointments. That's awesome. All right, let's go ahead and go to the phone lines. We have a couple calls. Um, let's first talk with uh, Dennis in Ocean Springs. Dennis, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. All right, go ahead with your question this morning. Uh, before I get to my question, tell Nancy that people are still going to need garages to keep all their garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Good Most point. Most people don't put cars in garages. You're anymore. right. You're right. There's half of my garage right now that I keep staring at and going, why is that stuff there? Okay. Three three questions about Lyft, please. One, uh, what percentage of the fare does the driver keep and what percentage does the Lyft company keep? Two, what about insurance? If, heaven forbid, they get in an accident or something horrible happens, does the, the person have to self-insure with their own insurance company, or does Lyft assume some liability for this? And the last question is uh, sales tax. Does, does, the, does the state somehow collect sales tax off of one of these purchases for a ride? And I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate those questions, uh, Dennis. Those are some uh, some good topics to tackle. Caitlin, let's uh, start first in, um, I guess, the percentage of the fare split. Yes, absolutely. So the fare varies um, from city to city, but mainly drivers are keeping upwards of 80, sometimes more percentage of the fare in total. Um, it is completely transparent. Drivers know exactly how much they're making when the ride ends. They're able to see their fare up front um, and see how much they get to keep. And that goes to, um, goes the same way with in regards to tips as well. And when it comes to the sales tech, tax, I guess that's also um, differs from state to state? Yeah, so it definitely varies from state to state, city to city. But one of the things that Lyft prides itself on is working hand-in-hand -hand with local governments as well as state governments. We want to make sure that, um, you know, the cities want us there. The re residents want us there. Um, at the end of the day, we want to serve as a flexible spending opportunity to local folks, you know, to become drivers and really meet folks in their community and earn money that way. And I think the only way to do that is by working hand-in-hand -hand, um, with the folks that are making those larger decisions within the local government. So if I wanted to become a Lyft driver today, um, what I guess what would be my, this is just start with the month, maybe monthly take-home on average? Um, it genuinely varies from city to city and state to state. 
I'm more than happy to follow back up on that with you. But it's because um, at the end of the day, Lyft Core is based on being an independent contractor. It depends on how many hours you're driving. Uh, depends on what type of rides you're picking up and where you're driving. So that definitely tends to matter. But at the end of the day, when you get to set your own hours and determine how much you want to earn, um, Lyft is there to provide you that opportunity. And what about liability? Sure. Um, I believe the question, sorry, it's a bit hard to hear, was about insurance. Um, Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I do want to make sure comes through is that um, all passengers are um, fully insured up to a million dollars when they are in a Lyft vehicle. Okay. Well, I guess that covers that. There we go. Uh, Let's go go back to the phones. We have uh, Sue from Beaumont, who's been waiting patiently. Uh, Good morning, Sue. Good morning. How are you, Java? Oh, I'm all right. Uh, I'd like to make two comments. One is that this lift program sounds great, but I'm, I'm an old geezerette living way out here in the boonies, and ain't nobody going to come out here and give you a ride, you know, <laughs> because uh, right now I need a, to go to an ophthalmologist where you have to take somebody with you because when they dilate your eyes, you mm. have to have somebody to drive you back. But nobody's going to come way out here in the boondocks and pick you up and take you to the doctor and take you back. It, it, that's not, I don't think they come out here. This, she's talking about live program works good in urban areas, but what about all these people out here in the boonies? And, and as far as Nancy's comment, we, were, we are never going to be a carless society as long as there's so much rural area to cover and people living out in the boonies are going to always have to have their own transportation. You can't depend on somebody coming out and doing things for you. There will always be people with cars out here. <laughs> But they may be self-driving cars. Uh-oh. No, I don't. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Sue. You sound like my husband. He's going, no, I'm not getting in a self-driving car. No, uh-uh. <laughs> well, thank you for that comment, Sue. Uh, I guess, yeah, Caitlin, uh, Mississippi does have a, a, a lot of rural, rural areas. And um, is there some room for, I guess, like Sue say, stepping out into the boonies? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right now, Lyft is available to more than 95% of the population, and we only continue to expand. I've seen great expansion over southern Illinois this past year and can only say the same for Mississippi. I know that coverage continues to grow. And like I mentioned, um, Lyft is available uh, currently in Gulfport, Hattiesburg, Jackson, Oxford, um, and a few other cities across Mississippi as well. And this the coverage only continues to grow. I, I guess kind of a practical point to living in the boonies. How far, when you open the Lyft app, how far away from your phone does it look for cars? Because, I mean, I know, like, if I do it in one city, it's not going to, like, find cars in Atlanta for me. But, like, how how far away could a car be and get that notification? Um, it definitely varies from city to city. I would say that, um, at the end of the day, the goal is to have a driver available to you within minutes. Um obviously varies from, you know, whether it be a little bit more of an herbal, urban environment to uh, more of a, a rural environment. But the, the goal for Lyft is to have a car available to you within minutes with just a few taps of the app. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take our next break for the hour. Uh, we're here talking with Caitlin Carl, communications manager for Lyft. And also Nancy is here. Ryder is here. And if you have any personal finance questions, you can always give us a call. And uh, when we come back, we'll see if you were listening to the conversation. As we will mention the towns where Lyft currently operates in Mississippi. Sue already told us, tells us it's not going all the way to the boonies. So we can see exactly where you can catch a Lyft 
ride. Join the conversation, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman along with Nancy Lodgers Anderson and Ryder Taft from New Perspectives, also co-authors of the book Peaky Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. And today we're talking with Caitlin Carl, Communications Manager for the Ride Hailing Company Lyft. And you can join the conversation right now, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 And before the uh, break, we actually touched on this um, a little earlier in the show. I asked, what um, cities in Mississippi is um, Lyft actually? I know one. It's not what? Beaumont. <laughs> <laughs> Gulfport? Gulfport. Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg. Jackson. There we Oxford. go. Oxford. Did she say Starfall? No, not no. Starfall. Oh, that's because they have the little the little bully bus or whatever it's called that just goes in a circle around. Oh, Lyft can't come. In, oh, okay. I mean, there's, uh, there's not that many places to go, so, <laughs> so I think that bus covers all of them. Tupelo and uh, and did we say Biloxi? Tupelo, Biloxi. How'd yeah. they get it? Uh, Tupelo is is it's booing. It's progressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah, that's a, a big it's a big thing. It's just been a while since I've been up to Tupelo. All right, Caitlin. Now one of the, one of the first things that you uh, learned from your parents, or at least I did, when you start walking and talking is you don't get in car with strangers, but in actuality, that's what uh, Lyft this is. That's what we're doing. I, you get, you, I open my Lyft app and I say, hey, stranger, come pick me up and take me to where I need to be. Talk about the safety for uh, riders and drivers. Uh, sure. Thank you so much for asking that question. Honestly, safety is Lyft's top priority. All drivers that apply to drive on the Lyft platform undergo a criminal background check, a driving record check, a vehicle inspection. We use a third-party expert to conduct a criminal background check, which includes a query of you know, local, state, and federal databases. And background checks are just one part of our commitment to safety. Um, we also provide in-app photos of the driver and vehicle, real-time ride tracking, so we know where the driver and the passenger are at all times. Um, we're able to make sure that you're getting safely from your original destination to your final destination. We provide digital receipts, um, a two-way rating system, which I find extremely important, and around-the-clock trust and safety teams should anything ever go wrong or you have a question about your ride experience. And yeah, so so the thing about the tracking the ride is really convenient because we were talking about this before the show, you know, oh, is it safe to do this? And I, I agree with you, Caitlin. I mean, I think it's very safe because, you know, you know, Lyft knows exactly who I'm getting in the car with. I have a record of who I'm getting in the car. With. I can even share uh, on, on Lyft. I know you can on Uber on Lyft. Can you share your ride with somebody else? And I, I mean that the um, say, hey, I'm getting into a Lyft. This is all the details of the person I'm getting into Lyft with. And you can track me 
Is that, that is a correct. And honestly, that is yeah. something I just do myself, even personally, to make sure that I know when, um, or so that family and friends know when I'm arriving somewhere, even if it's, hey, I'm arriving a little bit late to dinner. You mm-hmm. can see that I'm on my way in the car. Yeah. So so that's all like, one, it's very convenient. It's also very reassuring. And also, even not for safety, it's been very practical. Um, this is not in a lift. This was a um, competitor that rhymes with FUBAR. But um, wonder it, it what was, that could be. <laughs> it was... Um, it rhymes with tuber. Um, I was going to say, your rhyme was p- not very pota- good the first time pot- out. Potato. Um, and the driver just totally missed an exit on the interstate. And we were in California. It took like 15 minutes to get back to, you know, on track. And, you know, it cost probably an extra 10 or $15. Um you know, I didn't have to like yell at him and complain. I just texted Uber and, uh, oh no, I said it. And, um, I got the money back the next day. You know, they were like, oh yeah, he obviously missed the exit. Sorry about it. So that's very convenient. Um, and it's very kind of consumer focused there that y'all can take care of that sort of mistake. Yes, this is the one of the things that we offer at Lyft as well. It's, you know, should there ever be an issue with your ride, there is a 24-7 customer experience team. So if there is an issue, there is someone there ready to help you out. Now, talk about this, uh, the rating system. Um, do I guess do the drivers have to take all reservations from all, um, uh, I guess, people wanting to take rides? Um, sure. So drivers are actually independent contractors, and with that, they're able to set their own hours and when they work. Um, so when they are on the app, they will be pinged with a ride that is nearby, um, and they can choose whether or not they want to accept that ride. Okay, so so like if I have a bad rating, they're like, oh, rider, he's like a two-star. We don't want to pick him up. He's smelly. <laughs> I don't think that's the, uh, that's the deal. But honestly, more than 90% of our drivers do have a five-star rating. Um, I know a lot of our passengers have the exact same experience, and we're always looking to match um, a good passenger with a good driver. So what options do um, riders have in, in choosing drivers? Um, so with rider or with the passengers, when they open the app, they are automatically assigned a driver that is closest to them um, as well as available. So this means that someone's either just about to complete their ride or they're in the neighborhood looking for um, a passenger to pick up and drive them to their final destination. So they're automatically matched with um, a driver of a great rating um, to make sure that they get to their final destination safely. If this is, say say I use Lyft all the time and I had a, a not great experience with a driver, not, you know, not bad enough for me to, you know, really complain to Lyft or even call the police or anything, but you know, you, you just really didn't like the ride, so maybe I gave him a bad rating. Is there a way that it would show me that I've given him a poor rating before, or maybe I can choose to, to just not not have rides offered by him anymore or her? Absolutely. That is something that Lyft offers. Um, if someone were to have a poor experience with the driver, they are absolutely um, their feedback is absolutely welcomed, and they can be unmatched with the particular driver. Okay. Well, you know, this idea of an independent contractor, and you set your own hours, and you work when you want to work, well, I hear that, and I think you have no benefits. You have no health insurance. you got to worry about your own uh, payment of 
self-employment taxes, uh, handling all your taxes and your retirement and all those things. My question is, does Lyft offer any kind of educational programs to their drivers to help them because they're basically each one is their own business. And so you need to help them in um, figuring out ways to handle the reporting of their taxes, to, um, you know, help them find health insurance and deal with retirement plans. Yes. So as independent contractors, um, we a Lyft does allow for drivers to set their own hours, earn what they want to earn, and drive when they want to drive. That being said, with that flexibility, um, a lot of drivers are turning to other means to you know, learn more about um, self-employment taxes, learn more about self-employment and uh, what that means for their health care. Um, Lyft is there to provide a platform for them to earn when they want to earn, um, really provide that flexible spending opportunity. And we absolutely encourage our drivers to um, explore their options when it comes to um, self-employment taxes and health insurance. And Okay, um, so I think the answer to, to that is no, right? Um, no. We definitely do provide opportunities, uh, education opportunities for our drivers, but in terms of health care, that is something that um, would be up to them. So uh, one thing I was wondering is, obviously, like in a mature market, I don't know what all, you know, y'all's most mature markets are, but presumably bigger cities where it's been going on for a while, it's easy for, you know, a driver to get rides all the time. They could maybe be approaching doing this as a full-time job, but do y'all have a way of looking at, you know, your newer markets like Jackson, like Mississippi, you know, how long does it take before, um, before people can really start, you know, you know, logging seven, eight, nine hours a day as a, as a driver and, and doing this for full time? Sure. Um, honestly, I think that's a question that's for a driver, if someone wants to drive full-time, they are they absolutely have the access to, and we welcome them to the platform to drive full-time. Um, we see that 92% of our drivers are actually um, seeking employment. They're full-time students or they're retired um, or are actually full-time employed. They usually turn to Lyft as, you know, kind of a side gig, helps um, mm. to have earnings to cover food, housing, medical care, other primary expenses, um, but are really turning to Lyft to kind of have that as a side gig. But that being said, I have also met plenty of drivers that have um, that do drive for Lyft platform full-time, and it's something they love doing. They're able to meet new people, um, mm. have some fantastic conversations, and um, do something they love, which is being behind the wheel and um, getting to drive throughout their communities. So you're, just, actually, you're describing a charitable organization <laughs> here. So let me ask you, how many empo- full-time employees do you have at the company? No, um, in your office, you you are a full-time employee of Lyft. How many are there of you? uh, Yeah, so there are a few thousand um, employees at the Lyft corporate office. And I'm assuming you have a retirement plan? Yes, no? I have a, sorry, I can't hear you. I have a retirement plan, are you asking? Yes. Yes, um, so there are definitely benefits to working full-time for Lyft. And Um, you have health insurance? I do. Yes. Because I'm a full-time employee. So this is my problem with a company like this, is that um, you're basically making money off the backs of people who don't have access to those same benefits. 
Yes, um, I understand where you're coming from completely, but I think the big difference is that um, whereas a corporate employee works nine to five, typically, um, they're contracted to you know show up at work every day, usually Monday through Friday, whereas an independent contractor doesn't necessarily have to do that. For example, I could even drive for Lyft after I'm done working from nine to five and go and drive my own personal car and pick so, someone up. So do you do that? Are there people who work for Lyft corporate office who also drive? Absolutely. How Absolutely. many? Um, I don't have that number off at the top of my head, but I could certainly get back to you on that. I know that a lot of us have personally gotten behind the wheel because we want to be able to meet those people in our community and be able to drive just like the drivers in our community do. Well, I I would say to you, I I don't think people are driving so they can meet other people. I mean, this is not like a community outreach. They're driving because they need the money. That's absolutely true. I mean, I will go and say that a lot of our drivers are full-time. They have full-time jobs as well, or they're part-time jobs, and they're looking for supplemental income. We have drivers that are firefighters, artists students, parents, and everything in between. And the majority of them drive in their free time to supplement their income. Now, one thing I can say about meeting the people, uh, Lyft does a a great thing with uh, Kevin Hart, the Lyft legend. If you haven't seen it on YouTube, the Laugh Out Loud, he's an inappropriate driver, and his his name is Donald Mack. It's a a funny thing. I hope I would never get a Lyft driver like that. But uh, we're going to go ahead and take our last break for the hour. Uh, We're sitting here talking with Caitlin Carl, communication manager for Lyft and um, go ahead and join the conversation. We have a few more minutes. one 672 And got one more question. What do you think is the percentage of people who use Lyft to get a ride to the airport? You're trying to get to and fro, get to the uh, airport to catch that flight. Do you think it's 21%, 52%, or 78%? What percentage of people use Lyft to get to the airport? We'll give you that answer when we come back. This is Money Talks here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman here with Nancy Lodgers Anderson, president of New Perspectives and writer, TAF, portfolio manager at New Perspectives and the co-authors of the book, Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. We've been talking with Caitlin Carl, communications manager for the ride hailing company Lyft. And we do have a caller on the line. Frank, want to hold on real quick as we get the answer to our question. What do you think is the percentage of people who use Lyft to get a ride to the airport? You're in a city, you need to catch that flight. Do you think it's 21%, 52%, 78%? What do you say, Ryder? You're a man. Of, you, you, you take yeah, flights. Yeah, he's better at this than I am. Um, I don't know. I'll go with, uh, I'll go with tw- was it 21%? Yeah, 21 Okay. Okay. Yeah. What do you say, Nancy? 52. 50. You looked at the paper. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> okay, no, is it it's, really? Yes, it's 52% of passengers use Lyft. I can't, I can't read upside down. To well, get to the airport in 2017, 2017, 52% of passengers use Lyft to get to the airport. And I can well, see that. Well done, Nancy. So even in a smaller area, you know, that's helpful because otherwise you're 
parking your car at the airport. Paying and those fees. Paying mm-hmm. for Gotta the make whole a time drive you. Take, yeah, get that friend. That yeah. You. So it, that, it's hey, man. easier, more cost effective. Where are you going? What you doing at 530 tomorrow morning? You want to <laughs> yeah, really? to the airport? Can't take those six o'clock flights if you're going to get somebody to take That's you. That's tough. Uh, let's go ahead and take another call. We have Frank on the line uh, from Jackson. Good morning, Frank. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Uh, based on the conversations I've heard and the research I've done, Lyft and Uber are great for the corporations. They get a multi-billion dollar rolling stock with zero liability. It's great for the consumer because they have all these competitive drivers out there uh, going for their business. And Uber and Lyft do have great standards on what type of vehicle you have to have. But the poor drivers are totally getting taken advantage of. Uh, my wife does taxes, and she is amazed at the number of people who think they're making money with these uh, drive share, Lyft, and Uber. And by the time you do the taxes and you do the insurance and you do the car note and you do the repairs and you do the depreciation, they're basically working for less than minimum wage because of the waiting time. Now, those drivers who are successful, the ones in New York, the limousine services, they use Uber and Lyft to supplement their normal business where they're able to charge more money than they're able to charge with Lyft and Uber. But like the lady said, if you're out in the boondocks, which is like Pearl, (laughs) it's it's kind of hard to make money because of the waiting time involved. And then there is a comeuppance at the end of the year with your taxes. Now, the person who had to manage a fleet of trucks, um, the first thing we did after two years is that we shared all of that responsibility and we paid people to use their personal vehicles and we would reimburse them on a mileage or a monthly rate. And we saved a ton of money and we saved a ton of headache. But as Nancy pointed out, the drivers are totally being taken advantage of The industry is being decimated because you have unrealistic and you have skewed um, economic incentives involved where you've got a bunch of people who really don't know what they're doing uh, getting involved in the industry and they don't know they're not making any money until it comes tax time. Gosh, Frank, uh, I, I feel tremors under my feet. I never thought this would happen, that you and I would agree on something. <laughs> Frank, Frank's doing your dirty work for you, Nancy. Really? <laughs> yeah, but the guys in New York who are successful, you know, they have these limousines, and they charge twice as much as Lyft and Uber, but they use Lyft and Uber to, to keep them being deadheaded or from waiting around too long. But their basic income is from... Um, the other car services in New York City where people call in and they just use Lyft and Uber as a supplement. But it is impossible to make any money Lyft and Uber, even in an urban area, because you have so much competition. Well, and that's one thing we were talking about in the break. Um, Frank, it's like you were listening in on us about how, how Jackson in particular, you know, it's not it's not a super mature market. You know, we're kind of wondering, you know, if you're a Lyft driver in Jackson. And I don't know, maybe Caitlin can provide some specifics about this market. But, you know, how often are you really driving people? You know, you're going to run a couple people into the airport during the day, maybe a couple of doctor's appointments, and then you're going to pick up a couple of folks from Finian's at one o'clock. But, you know, obviously this is a better market for people who are really just doing it on the side, you know, doing it on their lunch break, doing it for a laugh. I do know two people who drove for maybe not Lyft, but, um, 
but literally did it to talk to people. One, he has a great voice. You would love to talk to him. The <laughs> other one, you know, you know, you might just want that car. He's like, he's like, Lyft, he's like Lyft legend Donald <laughs> you, Mack. You might want him to run the lights and get you to your destination. But, um, but yeah, just kind of, can, can you talk a little about, about the maturity of the market, Caitlin, and, and what that means for a driver in, in Jackson, Mississippi? Like how, how busy is the market here? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a great question that you go into talking about how folks can either you know, drive full time or they can drive for Lyft um, as supplemental income. And I think that while a market is maturing, it's great to know that Lyft may function as a better supplemental form of income versus um, a full time opportunity at this moment. That, that being said, the company is growing quickly. I would say that a lot of the country is adapting to ride sharing and um, adapting to, you know, getting a ride to the airport instead of, like you mentioned, having to park at the airport. Um, but that being said, I think that I can only stress enough that Lyft is a great opportunity for um, simple mental income, especially in cities such as Jackson. Now, with the growth of the company, are you, uh, is Lyft uh, looking to be uh, uh, a great complement for travelers outside the U.S.? Um, as Lyft continues to grow, we are currently in Toronto, but um, and available to ninety five percent ninety five percent of the U.S. population, um, and only continue to grow. And we'll see what's next in terms of uh, being outside the United States. Now, this is one thing I've always wondered uh, because I, I know some people who have, I guess, particular tastes. Um, I know you guys have the look, the Lyft Lux, the Lux Black, and the Black XL. Is, is, is so you can if, ride in style. If I only if I only have to ride that Mercedes, I, I can't ride and anything else you know you have those people like that nancy oh my goodness <laughs> talk talk about those uh categories uh caitlin Sure. So there are a few different options um, in terms of the lift offering, as you mentioned. Um, there is our standard four-seat lift car, which, for example, would be like a Toyota Prius or a Corolla. Um, oh, I could the, do that. <laughs> I've, Prius? Got, I've got one of those. <laughs> as do I. Um, you also have um, a lift SUV, which fits typically six passengers. And as you mentioned, from there, you have um, Lyft Lux and your other premium options where you could say if you feel like riding in style to the airport or to your anniversary and you want to perhaps have a few drinks at dinner not have to worry about driving home that serves as a great option do y'all still do the the pink mustaches on fronts of cars or is that not mandatory anymore I don't think that was ever them, Ryder. What are you that talking about? That was them. That was Lyft's thing. Caitlin, did you guys have the, the pink mustaches? <laughs> uh, yes, that is one of the things that Lyft was founded on. Uh, we had pink mustaches, really just trying to hone <laughs> um, the friendly community aspect of driving in a Lyft. Um, from, at this point, though, we have introduced the AMP which is um, something they may see on dashboards um, in a Lyft vehicle. And you'll be able to see that it glows a certain color, and it will match the color that is actually showing in a passenger's app. And this way, it makes it really easy to identify the vehicle that is oh. in the driver that is there to pick you up. That is really convenient because I've I've heard, especially when you know Lyft and Uber getting big stories of you know people just walking up and into somebody's car because they slowed down at the right restaurant. It's just like, no, I'm not your driver. I was just checking the address. Now, Kayla, we're running up on on the end of the show. If somebody just joined us and they want to be a Lyft driver, what's uh, step number one? 
Sure. So if they're able to apply to become a Lyft driver, um, they can go more to the Lyft website, be able to find out more how to apply, and they'll go through the 10 background thing. Um, from there, if they pass, they'll be able to um, become a driver and get on the road, open up their app, and really choose their hours when they want to work. All right. Well, we appreciate you for joining us today. That was Caitlin Carl, communications manager for the ride uh, hailing app Lyft. This has been Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman filling in for Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lodges Anderson, Ryder Taft. Our producer today was Liz Gill and our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. Join us up next for uh, In Legal Terms coming to you every Tuesday, 10 a.m. and join us next Tuesday, 9 a.m. for another edition of Money Talks. Heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.